Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This episode is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, an audit analytics service provider that works with internal audit departments that have data analysts and are still frustrated with trying to make analytics actually work, aren't getting the expected ROI, who can't break through the communication barrier between the analysts and the audit team, and those that need experienced direction for an audit analytics strategy and process. Those that feel like they've wasted time and money on trainings, aren't getting the value they want, not prioritizing the highest risk areas for the organizations, or have projects that seemingly never get completed. Do you deal with any of that? If you do, go to the show notes of this episode and click the Green Skies Analytics link or go to greenskiesanalytics.com to schedule a call and understand how Green Skies Analytics makes analytics actually work for internal audit. Hello, everybody. This is Trent Russell, and this is the Audit Podcast. Real quick, before we get into today's guest, quick note, today, November 8th at 1 Central Standard Time, I'm doing a webinar with Audit Board and Internal Audit 360, Rising to the Audit Analytics Challenge, How to Prioritize Efficiency, Accuracy, and Value. So check it out. You can sign up if you're unable to make it today, and you can check out the recording. You also get one CPE for attending. Today's guest is Sean Canungo. Before Sean struck out on his own, he did 12 years at Deloitte, where he was a strategist with disruptive innovation. He is now a partner with Queen & Rook, where he advises leading organizations and executives on disruptive trends. Aside from that, I met Sean when I was emceeing the IIA ISACA GRC conference a few months ago. He was the one of the keynotes, the first keynote, and one of the advantages of emceeing the conference is I got to hang out with all the keynote speakers. So I got to know Sean relatively well in a short period of time, um, not only backstage, but then obviously through his keynote. And it was absolutely incredible. Some of the feedback that I had read previously was something to the effect of Sean was like the best virtual presenter in the history of virtual presentations or something like that. And I went, yeah, he probably paid somebody to say that. He did not, uh, or maybe he did, I don't know. But either way, there is definitely evidence to suggest that that is absolutely true. He absolutely crushed it on the keynote. If you are a part of any conference and you see Sean's on the docket there, highly recommend going to check him out connect with him on LinkedIn. He posts snippets from his sessions that he does. And they're always not only super entertaining, very well done, but also informative. He's also released a book. And so we put the link in the show notes for that as well as a short documentary. So we put the link in the show notes for that as well. Sean's overall message in the book and the documentary, a lot of the sessions that he does is about being bold, how to be bold, how to be innovative. And so that's what the crux of the conversation is about today. Largely, I was trying to get as much from the book and the documentary from Sean without having to read or read the book or watch the documentary. And so we talked something to the effect of give us what you can without giving it all away because it takes a lot of effort and discipline to write a book. And so I highly recommend people going to buy that. But here's just, you know, some snippets from the book. The last thing I'll leave you with is if you've been to, you know, a conference, there's always You'll see a slide or two and you take a picture of that to make sure that you have it. And there was one that Sean shared. And so I'll just read it to you real quick and then we'll let it fly. But on the slide, there was the number 23 years. 
and next to it the text read most people die at 23 they're just not buried until they're 87 and when sean showed that and read it you heard this collective uh, from from the audience go like yeah that's pretty true so anyway i wanted to leave you with that here we go you do have the book and i'm always like i never want to ask an author like tell us about the book because I want people, you put a lot of effort into the book. We were talking discipline kind of off air earlier. To me, it takes a ton of discipline to write a book. I started one five years ago. I made it past the second (laughs) sentence and I was like, you know what? This isn't for me. I'm not a book writer. So that's why I started a podcast. So I don't have to write stuff, but, um, but to the extent you can give us the good stuff in the book without giving it all away, what can you tell us relative to being bold and how we can do that first of all can i give a thank you by the way before we start like yeah i I, I, number one i i'm just like excited to be on the biggest audit podcast on the planet so this i've been waiting my entire life for this so this is uh this is incredible like and if you're following if you're listening to this you're watching this whatever you're doing like follow this on spotify apple apple whatever you got to do because uh trend is putting in the work so the biggest audit, audit podcast in the world that is that is no small feat so just Give him a rate and review. And I'm saying, he didn't even ask me to say this, to be honest with you. To rate, review, subscribe, whatever you got to do. Um, what a charmer. That's my starting point. What a charmer. What a charmer. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, with that said, give us as much of the book as you can without giving us everything in the book so that people still go, All right, I need to go read the rest of that. But tell us about it. Yeah. So the book is called The Bold Ones. It's really about um, the, the DNA of an innovator, the DNA of a disruptor, what makes somebody. Uh, bold. And in the book, I outline all these different ways of people to become a little bit more bold. And I think uh, if I dial it back to uh, internal audit, I feel like there's this brand that we have in internal audit. We we have this, people have a perception of who we are and what we stand for, which is, uh, which is boring, which is adversarial, which is um, not sexy. And I feel like every single internal auditor or anybody in the audit space should read this book because it's how do we become bolder? How do we become more innovative? How do we create more value within our organization? How do we actually create better stories and better narratives around what we are doing um, in order to create more value for our organization at the end of the day? And that's really what the book is all about. Um, and I, and in the book, what I do is I go through um, innovators, uh, through history, pop culture, sports, to break down how they went off and did it. Uh, from people that um, came out of nowhere, like uh, pirates uh, who were, uh, you know, flower girls to becoming one of the most important pirates on the planet to um, to to people who were, um, uh, you know, basically working within an organization and they were just the 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 pleb to reinventing the video game industry. Like I, I'm showcasing people across history that have really put a dent in the universe and i i hope that people can pick it up and make their own dent as well yeah i think i love it when we're talking and i can already figure out the title of the episode and so i think it's going to be how not to be boring adversarial and not sexy i think that's we're going to run with something like that, that <laughs> well listen kind of- i listen i want to ask you this question and you know in one of your recent pods you you, you talked about going to a party and somebody asks you uh what do you do you're like, oh, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in internal audit or analytics, and the guy, he was joking, but he literally walked away. Yep. And um, 
to me, that is sad because I, I feel like we have this opportunity to redefine and reinvent what this profession is really all about. And to me, that is like a microcosm of how the entire world looks at internal audits. So by the way, I feel for you. And even though it was a joke, but it's like, it is, it is what everyone is feeling. Yeah. Everybody that's listening to this pod, that's what they're feeling. Yeah. And that's what, so I, and I don't care about that guy, uh, or the people yeah. that aren't in organizations that deal with audit. Um, so that's fine. Like that my, I don't have a mission statement to make the whole world understand the, uh, the value that internal audit can actually add. I don't care about that. But for the individual auditor that's doing an audit, whoever they're working with, we need to change their perception. And so that's the, the larger goal. Uh, and that I do that by way of data and technology, basically, because yep. there's so much that we can do with that to be able to show them the value that we can add through that. And even if that's something as simple as telling a story with data, um, just to be able to do that or a dashboard, like people love dashboards. And so <laughs> just, you know, things like that to where they go, oh, you know what, um, this actually does add value and be able to measure that by way of whoever we work with, whoever we audit by them coming back to us at some other point or them spreading the word to others in the organization and them coming back to audit and going, I heard about this thing you did. Can you help us with this? And using that as a KPI to measure value add and effectiveness, I think is way better than we completed this number of audits this year or, you know, whatever the, the, the metric is. So that is kind of the goal, but, um, but, and, and I think, you know, I think it starts not with everybody else. I think it starts with the individual, the people that are within audit today. And and I think the way that we can recruit more ambitious, more uh, talented individuals into this particular profession is doubling down on the idea that this is a this is a profession that is on the cutting edge of data, artificial intelligence, innovation. This is the foundation for organizations to create better things or to create more things like unless you if you don't have a strong foundation when it comes to internal audit you're not going to be able to build on top of it and so mm -hmm. um if we can create that narrative and we can inspire more people to get into this profession that are ambitious and and want to make a dent in this universe um i think that's where it starts it starts with the individual yeah that's uh so you mentioned recruiting which is one question that we ask amongst caes on the show is what's the number one issue you're dealing with or the number one issue you're discussing with your cae peers literally every time we've probably asked it 20 times all but once uh the answer has been recruiting or hiring and retention has been the issue uh, i see with the folks that i work with literally dudes there for two months and left another guy was there didn't even Wait, go through onboarding and left and so <laughs> I, I, I like this, uh, definitely like I would want to work with the innovative people. If you are in a leadership role, like Sean, you're in a leadership role and you're trying to, yep. and innovative thinking is a priority for you. How can you like tease that out during the, uh, we'll just say the interview process or uh, the hiring process to go, yep, this person gets it. I want this person. You know what? I think um, on one of your last pods, somebody talked about this idea of intellectual playfulness, which I really love that concept. Um, and it, I think it's an allowing people and empowering people to say, hey, this is an environment where you can experiment. This is an environment that you can go on, off and take shots and you can take bets and you can try things. And and that's almost counterintuitive when it comes to audit, because in, in audit, we're all like, follow the process, follow the procedure. Like, 
and follow this manual textbook and we put it in someone's DNA and you know, you're not supposed to deviate. And I think as a leader within this particular space, allowing people and telling people that, hey, we want you to go off and take a very small experiment. We want you to go off and fail in a particular sandbox. I think that to me is inspiring. And then especially doing that in the first week, because I, I believe that when, when a new um, auditor comes in in their first week uh, within an organization, well, we literally put that we inject them with the processes and procedures, a manual yeah. textbook, we put it in, in their DNA. And then when they try to do something different, we're like, what are you doing? Like stick to the playbook, rookie. Yeah. And, and it's funny because when I joined uh, Deloitte, I actually started my career in audit, um, as many people do. And I got my, I got my CPA. And then after that, you know, I, I spent the first two years there and then I went to manage consulting and strategy and innovation. And we, you know, we can talk about that later, but like I started my career during audit and I remember you know, that first week, like being those first couple weeks, like just being absolutely scared out of my mind. Um, and, you know, no, no, I, you know, I don't want to throw shade on Deloitte, amazing organization and learned a lot from them. But like, you know, that those first couple of weeks, it's just like, just follow the process, follow, the, follow the procedures, don't take any shots. And they like suck out all that creativity from you in that first week. It's like, just you see what they did in the prior year? Make sure that, you know, you're doing something similar. Like right. that was, that was the, you know, that's what they tell you to do. And so I think it, for leaders, like we need to take a step back and say, how do we encourage people to, to, um, you know, to take shots and encourage them to use the technologies? Uh, to me, that, 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 that's the, that's the power. Yeah. So I know uh, when I was in external audit, I was at EY and yep. the first couple of audits I was, you know, with the same senior and the way he wrote his narratives and documentation used a lot of semicolons. And I was like, okay, I guess this is how auditors write. So that's how I will write now, you know, like pretty robotic and almost like process driven. And then yep. I got on a, a different audit later and the amount of just like red text and highlights on grammar and the semicolon. She's like, why do you keep using these? And I was like, I thought that's what we're supposed, that's not what we're supposed to do. She's like, no, just write it like a human being, you weirdo. And I went, okay. <laughs> so I got like fixed into that also. And it probably took me the better part of a year to understand like where I didn't need to be like the auditor and that I could just kind of, you know, like, oh yeah, we're people also, like we're not audit robots. 100%. But, um, no, and, and you mentioned the most important piece, which is, which is people at the end of the day. And you know, this, this, and you mentioned time and time again, you know, hundred episodes in into this podcast that at the end of the day, this is actually about people and and trust and transparency and and you know that th that to me is what audit is really all about. And so if we can foster that a little bit more, you know, that's important. And so yeah, yeah, totally agree. I want to bring it back to because we'd like to try to give practical advice on here. My favorite follow up question is, okay, how do you do that? Um, but I wanted to bounce this off of you. If we're looking for the innovative thinkers that are coming out or into our organization, especially within audit, what do you think about questions such as if you were to ask someone you're interviewing, like, if I give you free reign, you can audit whatever you want to, however you want to, what would you do? Or if I just said, look, you have the job, what would you do without any oversight? What would you do? Just to see like where their brains go. Because my answer would not be, I'm gonna go audit payroll. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm not... That's not what I'd want to do. What do you think about questions like that to help tease out so that hiring managers can go, this is an innovative person or like this is the type of thinking that I want? To be honest with you, you know, the, the question I ask is, um, what do you, what, what, if I, if I went into your Google Chrome history, what are you looking at? If I went into your Spotify, and your Apple 
uh, you know, Apple uh, podcast list, what are you listening to? If I go to your YouTube, what are you watching? Um, if I were able, if if you were to audit your own personal finances, how would you go about doing this? Yeah. I I think connecting it to what people are doing personally, connecting it to what people are already sort of consuming or doing at home, is the best way of learning how somebody is at work. And I think the best thing that you can do is connect the things that people are really good at outside of work to what they to maybe what you're doing at work, that's when they can be fundamentally unstoppable. So I remember um, when I was at Deloitte on the consulting side, um, I hired somebody, uh, you know, we were doing a lot of behavioral design work. We were doing a lot of uh, human-centered design work when it came to our innovation projects. And one of the, uh, you know, one of the people that I hired, she had a really great Instagram page. She had an amazing aesthetic when it came came to um, Instagram photography. And you could just tell that she had this design sensibility. Mm-hmm. So when she joined our organization, literally the first project that I put her on was a human-centered design project, behavioral insights, um, you know, creating a website, UI, UX, um, understanding uh, you, you know, consumer behavior, literally threw her on that project just because she had a great Instagram page. And because of that, you know, she got down this rabbit hole of design and design thinking. She uh, she went to Harvard. She's now working at Google. And, uh, you know, ultimately she left the firm, but she was able to connect what she was already doing outside of work to what she was doing at work. And now she's, you know, taking over the, the world because she built these skill sets. So I just want to make that trade off. I just want to do that that trade every single time, which is how do I connect people to what they are good at and what they love outside of work? And you will find people that are unstoppable. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Google Chrome history, podcast history, recent books that you're reading, et cetera. Um, yeah. I love that. So that's going on the kind of standard list of questions that we ask podcast guests pre-recording to tease out the topics we're going to talk about. That's probably going to lead it off from now on. So. Love it. And listen, if they don't have the audit podcast in their in their top five you know, th- there's something wrong with them. Yeah. No, we're just going to kick them off. We're, we're going to cut the, <laughs> the pre-interview session short right there. Uh, and yeah. move on, that's great. <laughs> Why? I know that you've, uh, so innovation, bold, all these things that we've been talking about. I know that. So when I saw your keynote at the GRC conference, and since I've seen some clips since then, you are seemingly a big fan of chat GPT and what we could do with there. So if I just told you like, Dude, Sean, the floor is yours, uh, which as a keynote, you're probably used to. Uh, like rant on chat GPT. Just go. Yeah. Like use cases, why you love it, why we should be using it. Like if if I if chat GPT was paying you right now <laughs> to, to do yeah. a spot, well, go uh speak to it. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bit of a shout out because you you helped introduce me. Um, you made a couple jokes and you know, it helped me as a keynote, I really appreciate an amazing MC to set it up and, you know, set me up in the best way possible. So I want to thank you so much for that. Um, yeah, obviously I'm a huge fan of generative AI and what we are doing in that particular space when it comes to ChatGPT. Um, obviously it is the, you know, the, the face of generative AI right now. And um, to me, this is a game changer. To me, you know, many people at the beginning of when this generative AI space started, people thought that this was like another tool, that mm-hmm. this was another thing that they put in their, their toolbox. I don't think so. I think this is not a tool. This is not a calculator. This is a spaceship. This is something that we've never seen before and is evolving every single day. So as internal audit practitioners and professionals, we need to be um, in the mud, experimenting, exploring, 
and 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 just just playing with it. And I think you know one of the use cases that I love doing is like taking some open data wherever it is around the world, taking your data, internal data that you could cleanse and and sanitize and and putting into uh, ChatGPT. Uh, for example, one of the things they ha they have is advanced data analysis, which I think this group would really love. And if you have a Chat GPT Plus member, you put it in, put your data into advanced data analysis, and let it cook. Let the let the baker cook it and, and bake, and um, see what kind of analysis and visualizations and bar charts it will it will come up with. Like my thing, favorite thing is taking like a hundred thousand line document and putting in there, putting it in there to see what it would come up with. So to me, it's like, and this is this is this is the first inning. This is the first inning of yeah. what this technology can do, and the, the game is changing every single day. So I love that, um, you know. And I'm also a big Midjourney fan. So Midjourney is a, a platform where you can create art and graphics and and images. Um, and I think one of the best ways of convincing, persuading, convincing people is through images. So that's why Midjourney to me is an amazing generative AI tool. And putting things in there that will help visualize your report, your your graphs and you know creating um, images through Midjourney, um, it's a great way of you, you just playing with generative AI. So my my advice to anybody that's listening to this is just play, put things in there. And you've said this in the past on this pod, which is like just instead of using Google, just like use ChatGPT or Bard or any of these tools to see what you get, and you will build a muscle around building these tools. All or, right, or well, working in these tools. You stole my line. I was going to say, uh, rather than just play with it, I was going to like, make Google your number two now. Like, make chat your yeah. default. Also, I'm calling it chat instead of chat GPT. I don't know if that's caught on yet, but I'm calling it just chat. So, um, Love it. That, that's that's what I tell people, like you uh, referenced, is put Google or Bing or whatever you use, put that as number two. Use chat GPT as your number one search tool, and there you'll figure it out. I mean, it'll take you all of half a day of sporadic use to go oh i need to google this not chat this i can chat this not google this um, and, and, and 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 i think well first of all i'm gonna ask you a question which is why do you think that there's a general i don't know maybe hesitation maybe a general unease when it comes to generative ai especially within this particular space um i don't know if you've seen it or maybe i'm maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong but i i've definitely seen like a lot of people coming up with you know the risk to start which is like I guess that's our mindset, but to me, it's like, it doesn't hurt to play. I yeah. don't know, you, you tell me. Yeah, so I'm speaking on chat at this uh, conference that I'm hosting soon, and the description was something like, like, I'm tired of hearing about the risks with chat GPT. Like, let's talk about the opportunities with it. And Love maybe it. it's just because we are in audit that it is, like, risk is just, like, pushed in our heads so much, risk, risk, risk. We typically don't look at things from an opportunity perspective. And so that's how I'm uh, presenting it. But yeah, I think it is the risk. Uh, and I think that in general, not just auditors, but otherwise, you know, there's this rule of sorts that says basically 60% of people just show up and do their job. And you have to have those 60% to just do the job and that's fine. The bottom 20%, you could probably fire and nobody would ever notice, you know, like they don't really do anything anyway. Uh, and the top 20% are like your five-star players. They're the ones that... Um, really kind of move things forward and so i think just natural who we are as human beings there's just people that go well i 60 percent plus the 20 the 80 are just going to go well why would i do that like i'm doing my job or i'm not doing my job if you're in the bottom 20 
why even try something new until it is forced on them like you have to do this so i think it's just almost human nature especially with anything new anything that's change management related is always going to be uh very tough it's super easy to do analytics it's super hard to change people's mindset um and to get them understanding just like the change management side of of things so i think that is a larger part of it as opposed to i think what i've seen some other people speak to in terms of it's ai it's complicated it's dangerous i'm scared to use it kind of thing i don't believe that that is the case more so than um the other that i kind of preach to yeah yeah and and, and uh you're, you're right and, and i love that you're reframing it to say you know what are the opportunities in the space and i i fundamentally believe and i said this in my keynote is that the end is now the beginning yeah. The end is now the beginning where I believe that generative AI is going to rewire how we look at organizations, is going to rewire how we look at um, audits. Instead of like, you know, doing all this work to um, help us get to an end, like so somebody can sign off on the audit report. It's like, can we get AI to analyze what's happening a thousand different times so that becomes the starting point? Yeah. Can we get AI to create all the Q&As that the audit committee is going to ask us at the beginning so that we are... Uh, tried and tested before we come into the audit committee um, and 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 get all those questions in advance. Like, how how is the end now the beginning in using artificial intelligence and generative AI to, to 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 help us do that? I think it's we we are we are on the brink of rewiring how we do audit, and I don't think pe people are people are going to see a storm coming over the yeah. next couple of years. Yeah, I think once once the security and privacy issue is kind of solved and everyone has kind of their in house instance, and you can just you can just copy and paste your data straight into it or connect it directly into it um, is going to be huge. And hopefully for those that are risk minded and go, ah, I'm scared to do it because of, uh, I don't want to get busted or release company data or something like that. Hopefully that does open people up a little bit more because it is, I mean, the amount of use cases that I've had where I've gone, okay, I want to do this, but I can't put client data you know, into it or I can't put you know, this yep. thing into it because it's way too sensitive. And I definitely, you know, I have to respect that for sure. My clients. Um, so I'm uh, eagerly awaiting for the, those kind of opportunities within the the folks that we work with. But and and I, I just believe that every single organization in large institutions, this will happen on an enterprise enterprise perspective, that they will have their own LLM so that you yep. can research and, and, and crawl through all the historical data within your organization. Um, all the files within your organization so that you can start to extract that information and 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 you know um you know do some analysis on it or um you know generate reports in an easier way like the the you know all these organizations the enterprise the the large ERPs the oracles the SAPs of the world like literally every single large organization what they do is they put in this tank in the in the in these companies and these institutions and it's impossible to get out. That's why yeah. it's the greatest business in the world. They literally put a tank in your business and you can't get it out. And if you do get it out, you have to like, it, you know, it takes a, an extraordinary <laughs> amount of Avengers team to get it out and to rewire and to put something else in. And I think uh, one of the biggest disruptors is going to be LLMs where it might be able to um, basically replicate what an ERP can do. And so that is going to be a game changer and a trillion dollar business that is just waiting to be, um, is just waiting to happen. Yeah. I think it's solving the tools issue also that I run across with analytics folks or non-analytics folks. Like, I don't know how to use this tool. 
therefore I can't do it. And so if you know how to use it properly, you don't, the tool is no longer an issue. It's the questions that you ask the tool or the 100%. questions you would ask the data. That's the part where uh, even people that use the tools, know how to use the tools, might struggle a little bit is what questions of the data do we ask? And so I think the question asking skill is going to become significantly more important for that. And the the barrier of, I don't know how to use this tool, it's super complicated, is one that you can't really lean on anymore and just go, oh, it's the tool's fault. I don't know how to use it. And it's really hard. I don't think we're going to be able to use that excuse totally. anymore. You're absolutely right. And I think, um, un unfortunately, um, you can you can be a technology Luddite and use this technology because it's so easy. I was yeah. just remark I was just telling uh, you know somebody recently that you know I I just put like generative AI or generative fill Adobe's uh, Firefly product in front of my uh, my daughter. She's six years old and with no training, with no ex like explanation of how this thing works, like she's able to create images and use these tools and she's never used like a, she's like barely used a computer for yeah. god's sakes and she's able yeah. to figure it out so if a six-year-old can do it like the tools have become completely commoditized and the differentiator is great questions and like your ability to connect and build relationships with others and understand the broader picture like those are going to be differentiators i'm not the tool yeah absolutely and for those uh, that have listened to the show before, and Sean, sounds like you've heard uh, a few of them yourself, so you probably know this, like tools are great and wonderful. And the things that they can do for us are great and wonderful. Ultimately though, of all the questions we've ever asked on this show, of all the executives and thought leaders across uh, even various industries and the world, it is what's basically the one thing that matters and like relationships and like, can you expand on that? And it's like, yeah, it's relationship. I mean, it's still, that's all that it's, that it's ultimately uh, about. So I, I say that as a warning almost to those that are gonna maybe use it even as a replacement for relation. I mean, you can use it to build relationships, which is a great use case, but it's definitely you like, you still have to have the relationship with the person. A hundred percent, I think. And especially for audit, uh, you know, this is going to become more important because as everything becomes more digital and 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 transactional, I believe that building relationships is going to be more important. Let's be honest, like many internal audit teams, many external audit, audit teams have become more remote and uh -huh. they've enjoyed the idea of becoming more remote and, and, you know, working from their, you know, their homes. But I believe that that's going to hurt um, audit at the end of the day because audit is really about um, trust. And I don't believe, I think that once you are, not working with people in person, that's going to impact um, that relationship building and that trust. And I, and I, it's funny because you've seen it flip, right? Because before, you know, we internal audit, we get in this like dusty room and like we get these people together and, um, you know, we have to be there. And now it's totally flipped. And I think it's going to be a detriment to the, uh, to the uh, profession in as a whole, because this, this, this profession is based on trust. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one way to mitigate against that is you have to do, like relationship building used to just be almost natural because everyone did have to get into the room or, and I don't know who's like solving cancer by walking into people at on the elevator, you know, like that, that was a big thing. Like, wow, we, we won't get to have water cooler talk. And like, are you really solving the world and your company's problems at the water cooler? No, but you do get a little interaction. So I get that. But um, with remote work, I found you have to do it with intent. So you have to have relationship yeah. building as almost a goal and you have to be more proactive about it. You have to reach out to people. 
even if it's just sending a meme to somebody every now and again, like there's still something there as opposed to, okay, we're all going to be in this room together or we are going to see each other at the water cooler or whatever. Like that's not intently done. You have to build relationships now remotely. You have to do that with intent. hundred percent, uh, you know, totally agree. And if you, if you can't do that, then I would say get back into the office. <laughs> all right. Um, broad question here. One of my favorites to ask folks of the show, if you can grab everyone in the world by the shoulders and just shake them and say, we just do this one thing, what would that one thing be? Um, that's a great question. I, I, I would say that it's, it's understanding that you have way more power than you, than you have ever had today. Yeah. it's un helping to people to understand that you have all the technologies and tools at your fingertips. You have everything, um, everything is accessible. So there are very little barriers today. And I think we've been trained uh, as an, as a society to, to sort of work on the assembly line that we, you know, th these are certain things that we need to do, but, but really there, there are no barriers. There are no, large obstacles anymore because the tools and the knowledge has become completely commoditized. So if we can change people's mindset to think um, more infinitely or have an infinite mindset as opposed to a scarcity mindset, I think that's um, that's what I would shake everybody and, and say, hey, we, look, look, the world is at your fingertips. So, you know, that's what I would say. All right. Well, that was nothing if not uh, very energetic. Like, I love the energy that you bring. And I think it's very special to see that, especially on stage. So for those that get the chance, if you're going to a conference and you see Sean as a keynote, uh, even if it's at like 6 a.m. or 4 a.m., whatever your local time might be, like wake up and go, because I promise you, you'll have the uh, the energy and the enthusiasm that is infectious uh, from Sean, I feel like I'm talking faster than I normally do just from the conversation that we've had, like you're rubbing off on me in that sense. But, uh, either way, Sean, fantastic. Great to have you on. Uh, I do want to give you a minute. Like what, Sean, what do you want to leave the audience with as we wrap up? Yeah. First of all, I want you to rate, review, subscribe to this pod because Trent is putting in the work, the audit podcast, biggest podcast, uh, in terms of audit in the world. Um, I would encourage more people to waste time waste more time explore play experiment don't live this like optimized process driven life um explore um and I, I believe some of the most innovative most prolific people on the planet they've spent years wasting their time developing skills um that they didn't think that they would develop and then at some point putting it all together so my my only ask for everyone is to waste your time exploring playing and experimenting Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.